Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. Hey, what's going on? It's a Blue White Breakdown. Dustin Hockensmith here with Johnny McGonagall. Penn State Maryland week. We're going to get to that game here in a second. We also have, um, you know, a little news mid midway through the week. I uh, heard from James Franklin this week, obviously heard from Phil Troutwine. And I thought his, his comments were interesting about the offensive line. Uh, Johnny here took a look at, you know, I think good timing for a story this week on Penn Live, uh, PennLive.com slash Penn State football to check it out on the ongoing reloading at the tight end position at Penn State. Uh, you, you've seen the names, you know them. Obviously, the group now. There's there's a couple coming in in 2023, so we'll tackle that too. Let's get with the 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 Penn State Maryland. Uh, just some preliminary thoughts. I, I know we've covered it like crazy, and you've talked about it before. But Penn State about a 10 point favorite in this game, and I think when it comes to an opponent and trying to forecast exactly what you're getting, it doesn't get a whole lot tougher than Maryland, does it? Now, Maryland's a weird team. I mean, this is a team that just lost last week uh, to Wisconsin. And you look, Wisconsin, I guess, you know, with their interim head coach, has been coming on a little bit of late. But it's also a team that gave Michigan everything it could handle at the big house, you know, a month and a half ago, six weeks ago. So um, it's difficult with the, with the Terps. It always is. This is a team that two years ago came to Beaver Stadium, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and beat Penn State. Uh, you know, different circumstances, no fans in the stands during that season. Penn State had already lost a couple games by that point. But, you know, Talia Tagovailoa, say that three times fast, Dustin, is uh, still the quarterback for Maryland. Um, So, yeah, it's a difficult one, but it it is one that I looked at our predictions and almost everyone has Penn State obviously winning uh, and and somewhat comfortably, but all scoring 38 points, like exactly like me, Bob, Joe, and I think you all had Penn State scoring 38 points. So, uh, listeners out there, if you can bet on a specific amount of, you know, points for Penn State, you know, the, you know where the Penn Lives uh, team stands. Uh, and and you can decide whether you take that to the bank or you fade it completely. Uh, I wouldn't blame you either way. If you if maybe you bet anything other than thirty eight points, uh, I do I do get a little worried when there's groupthink on on predictions, and it happens quite a bit. Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's not right. Um, and I think for for me, like. Maryland wasn't themselves last week, but there's also a tendency to not be themselves, you know, pretty frequently under Michael Oxley. The best version of Maryland is usually a pretty good team, but, you know, it's, it's a team that struggles this season. And I think probably in previous seasons as well with penalties. And I think they, they can't have that kind of stuff show up if they want to try to pull the upset on the road uh, here. But, you know, I, I, I really liked what we saw from Penn State last week. You know, to go on the road, like I, we talked about that game on here, and I just felt like it was ripe for sluggishness, letdown, emotions, and they found a way to be up for it, and they played a really complete game. And if that's what we're going to see from Penn State, which I think three games in a row they, they've shown some really good things, um, then I, I, th- I think they cover the, the point spread. You know, and I think I landed on 38 points just because I thought Maryland was going to do a little bit of scoring too. You know, Tonga Vailoa. When he gets hot, when he gets in rhythm, which he's shown against Penn State, uh, it's tough. And they, they've got some pretty good playmakers on the perimeter, depending on who's available and who isn't for them this weekend. But I think Penn State's going to score. I think they're going to play another pretty complete game. 
Yeah, that's the way I see it too. And you mentioned that groupthink mentality. It, it 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 does get dicey because it's one of those things where like college game day, you have the the banner underneath of all the picks and it's like everyone picking the same thing. Then it's almost like the kiss of death. Uh, so Penn State, all of us picking, other than Dave, I think Dave has them winning by 11, which is just outside the spread last I checked at least, but everyone else has them covering. Uh, so maybe it'll be a tighter game than we think. Maybe it'll be an even bigger blowout or bigger win. Uh, than we think. And I think it really does come down to you know, Maryland's offensive line against this Penn State uh, pass rush, which, you know, I guess Ohio State really struggled. Uh, and last week, <clears throat> last week in Indiana really succeeded and, and, I mean, dominated. And, you know, they they blitzed early on Jack Tuttle, but then they didn't really have to as the game progressed. They sent a lot of four-man pressure and it got home and, you know, 16 and a half tackles for loss, uh, which tied a program record, um, you know, from, I guess it was the Kent State game back in 2018. Uh, and then six sacks. I mean, that's getting the job done, especially when it's across the board, when James Franklin is naming his entire defensive line, the player of the week on the defensive side of the ball, that all those guys got involved and made an impact and, and did some damage. So, uh, you know, Roman Hemby is is a good running back uh, for Maryland. You know, Rakeem Jarrett is talented. Detalia is, you know, like you said, when he gets outside the pocket, when he's afforded time to hit his guys in stride, we saw that two years ago, uh, how many catch and runs there were in that game for Maryland. So uh, it could be, it could be a challenge uh, for, you know, Penn State secondary, but one that you would think that they're up for. Uh, and then Penn State's offense, just, you know, run the ball, get, you know, score, you know, they should be able to run the ball in this defense. And, um, and maybe we'll see more of the tight ends this week. Yeah, that's good. Good foreshadowing uh, for, for what's to come here on, on the pod too. But um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, if Penn State can just avoid a crippling turnover or two, you know, just play it straight. Do what you've been doing. I don't think you need to step outside of that. Uh, same probably goes for defense, too. But I, I think it's doubly important because when Talia has has time, when he's afforded the opportunity to get in a rhythm, he's a pretty dangerous guy. And uh, so the, the pass rush, whether you're sending extra bodies or not, you know, to your point, I think Manny Diaz, um, he, has, he had the luxury last week. I think he might have the luxury this week of, like, do you want to get creative or not? You're getting pressure with your, your, your down linemen. Do you want to get creative? Do you want to send Jair Brown? Do you want to send team sack leader Johnny Dixon off the edge? You know, I think he'll be able to mix and match, and and I think he'll have the luxury of getting pressure with the guys up front because I don't think that was fluky. I think those guys continue to improve, and they're really, really talented. And then I also think that Maryland's strength, uh, that passing game in particular, plays right into Penn State's strength. So if they can just – not make big mistakes on either side of the ball, but particularly on offense. Uh, I, I like them to win this one without a lot of drama, um, but we'll see what happens. Chop Robinson revenge game too. Yeah. The big time storyline. It's not quite as dramatic as the Kirk Sharaka revenge game, but it's there. It's there. And I, I do think, you know, I, for whatever reason he departed Maryland, I, I'm sure he's going to want to prove that, you know, that, that it was a big loss. Um, yeah, and, and, and it's not just chop either, too. I mean, there's, you know, not Maryland transfers, but this is always a game that, that can get chippy because, you know, these guys know each other so well. There's, you know, Maryland is so well represented on Penn State's roster and vice versa. There's a lot of PA guys on this Maryland roster. And uh, James Franklin even talked about that earlier this week on Wednesday after practice about uh, just that familiarity uh, on both ends. And, you know, James was a recruiting coordinator at Maryland for, what, eight years? And so, um, that's why, you know, at least one, one reason why Penn State uh, has been successful going into Maryland and getting those uh, recruits. But 
it's a game of familiarity. Um, and and this is a, the third time that Franklin and Penn State will have faced uh, Talia Tagovailoa. So um, we'll see we'll see what kind of things uh, Manny Diaz might uh, draw up for him. Let's look at these tight ends now because I, I do think it's kind of an underrated uh, developmental storyline. Uh, and it's really interesting going back to when James Franklin got here. Uh, he needed Mike Gesicki to play early. Probably shouldn't have been playing as early as he was. And you're still looking for Mike Gesicki to embrace the blocking side of things, even as he's, you know, a few years into his NFL career. And then you need Pat Fryermuth to play early. You need him to do what he did. Like, you didn't have a lot of margin for error at this position for a while. And I think now they've developed to the point where they do have a little bit more of margin for error. And they do have some guys coming in. And you do have Ty Howe who's taken over, you know, former offensive lineman, um, clearly somebody that James Franklin has liked, appreciated, and respected uh, during his time going back to quality control um, or an offensive end, whatever his off-field position was. So now you haven't seen any drop-off from a coaching standpoint either because these guys are playing really well this year. So you've got, you know, kind of machinery in place here at the tight end spot. Yeah, I think tight end is a position that can cause frustration amongst the fan base, at least this year, because they're looking at, Theo Johnson, after coming back from his injury, you're looking at Brenton Strange and the crazy play he made at Purdue and, you know, him being such a red zone target early in the season. And some fans are thinking, why aren't these guys getting the ball more? You know, why aren't, you know, why isn't Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson getting 10 targets combined each game? Because uh, they're the kind of athletes that could command it in, in another offense. But uh, it was last month that we talked to Mike Yersich on a conference call and he was saying that, uh, he, he, you know, he loses his hair trying to, you know, figure out, you know, how to strike a balance with these guys because they're such good blockers and you need to use them in the run game. And that's been, you know, a calling card for not only this offense, but this team uh, so far this season uh, and then getting them the ball because they deserve it. And so either way, these tight ends have been involved in this offense. Sometimes you get all three of them on the field with Tyler, Tyler Warren. Um, and, and they've just been, they've been consistent. They've been solid and Theo Johnson's been coming on recently. And I think that it just speaks volumes to how much emphasis and, and kind of, uh, you know, stock they put in that position, uh, you know, not just right now, but on the recruiting trail. I mean, all three of those guys came in within a two year span of each other. You look at right now, uh, you know, depending on if you view, uh, Matthias Barnwell as a tight end, uh, he's an athlete on a couple of uh, platforms. He could be a defensive lineman, could project better as an offensive lineman. But, you know, I talked to Andrew, I'm, and I should have asked them how to pronounce their last names, uh, but I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. Andrew Rappel, yeah, and uh, Joey Schlafer. It could be Schlafer, Schlafer. I'm, I'm going to have to ask those guys um, and follow up on that. But, you know, talk to them uh, for a story this week, which was, um, you know, it was good to catch up with them and just kind of see where their mindset is and how they're, you know, uh, coming in as it's 2023 verbal commits and uh, in the future of the tight end room, because it feels like it's in a pretty good spot. It does feel like it's in a pretty good spot. And I, and I do think, um, you know, not all these guys are cut from the exact same cloth. Like, you know, their development has been different, but clearly they're, they're able to identify guys like Tyler Warren as a quarterback uh, in high school. Um, Pat Fryermuth, you know, really good prospect. I don't think he was like, can't miss or anything coming out of new England, um, and then, you know, just finding guys that have a little bit of grit, maybe, uh, athleticism, but who embrace the physical nature of the job. You know, that, that's something that, um, is important to James Franklin has always been important to James Franklin. And I don't think they, I know, I know tight end usage has been a storyline and right when it was the biggest storyline, they went out and used these guys, uh, 
you know, the best that they have all season. But I don't think anything that's happened this year would deter a high-end tight end from committing and signing down the road. I, th- I think they're using these guys well enough. Yeah, and it's not only that, but even if tight end usage is down over a few weeks span and, you know, a guy might get worried, James Franklin at Ty Hal just has to point to the NFL and say, hey, Mike Gesicki, look at him doing doing the thing, you know, for the Miami Dolphins. Look at Pat Fryermuth, you know, catching touchdowns in Pittsburgh. Uh, that's all they have to do. And, you know, talking to those two 20, you know, 2023 commits, I mean, both those guys played a massive role in, in them committing and, and them being, you know, being Penn State commits and, and wanting to go to Penn State. You know, Schlafer, um, you know, he his half-brother is actually Michael Mennett, uh, who was a center on Penn State's team, you know, starting center in, I believe it was 18, 19, 20. And he was also on the 16, 17 teams. Uh, and they went to the Rose Bowl, Schlafer did as a family. They went to the Big Ten title game. And he watched Mike Kosicki play, and he's like, you know, this is what I want to be, basically, is this kind of player. And, you know, he's been able to talk with him over the years and, and kind of get some advice and feedback and build a rapport there. And so that helps a lot. Uh, and then, you know, Rappel, yeah, is a New York kid, but he's boarding at uh, Milton Academy in uh, Massachusetts, which actually plays Fryermuth's old school. Uh, and he's been able to work out with Fryermuth in Boston, getting to know him a little bit there. So. You know, this stuff matters, uh, you know, when it comes to recruiting. You see it all the time uh, with the coaching staff even. Like, they'll like, you know, you can go on, like, certain tweets and see, you know, all right, they're promoting this, they're retweeting this, whatever. It's like it's constant promotion. It's constant kind of recruiting for yourself. It, it's self-recruitment uh, when you got guys like that in the NFL and that have done it at a high level at Penn State. And and I think they've bought into, like the guys are in the pros, I've bought into the idea of uh, a sense of pride in that position at Penn State. And so the continuity of it and the culture and all that stuff, it's, it's just in a pretty good spot. It uh, doesn't appear to be slowing down anytime soon. I think, you know, Khalil Deacons is, has flashed a little bit in small doses too. Can't forget him as a, as a PA kid. So I think, you know, from a fan standpoint, like if you're a fan, you have to just kind of trust and believe that these guys know what they're doing at this spot. And there's a few positions like that, but tight end, you know, I, I think is in very good hands. The offensive line. Another one to mention is Jerry cross uh true freshman who has been injured and hasn't, you know, hasn't played, but uh, James Franklin, anytime he gets a chance, brings his name up and says, Hey, we're excited uh, for, you know, for his future and excited to get him on the field. So he's another one, you know, to keep an eye on. These guys are just going to keep rolling through. Yeah, they, they've got bodies, that, and they're they're using three of them pretty well. So, like, I think anytime you have the NFL pedigree, you've got uh, the track or the current track record of of usage. Like, if you know, if you show that you can flash and you show consistency, like you can play. I don't care what age you are. They've got that track record too. Welcome to Cure Relief, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Um, how about the offensive line? Because, you know, I was looking at this group uh, for another thing um, a few days ago. And it really feels like, I know there's some uncertainty and Olu Fashanu is, is more more likely to to leave than he is to come back, even though he's just 19 right now. Um, you're, you know, you're 
maybe gonna like you have some decisions to make for like even Juice Scruggs and Caden Wallace and Bryce Effner. You're not sure exactly what this group is gonna look like, but I I do feel like between Landon Tengwall doing his thing and Hunter Norzad already saying he's coming back and Drew Shelton looking like he is viewed very, very favorably inside the program's walls. Like I, I feel like the, the continuity at that spot, it, it might kind of just be the beginning there, even though there's some uncertainty about, about next year. Like I, you know, I, I, it's been a while since Penn state fans could feel good about the offensive line. I think they probably should feel good about the future of it too. But let, let's, let's remember where this offensive line group was before the season, right? You know, James Franklin wouldn't even, you know, when he was answering questions about the group, he wouldn't even acknowledge that he feels confident about it because uh, he didn't want basically a, a poor you know, performance or, or two or three to get, you know, thrown back in his face or anything. He's like, you know, look, these guys will, you know, prove it themselves. And yeah, there were struggles at Michigan for sure. I mean, they, they got dominated in every facet of that game, but outside of that performance, I think they played well for the most part, right side was an issue uh, against Ohio state, but uh, this this group has grown throughout the year, and I really think moving forward into 2023, you, you got to feel good about this group, even if Olufashanu ends up leaving. And look, he he should. I mean, if, if he's getting first-round grades as an offensive tackle and you're 19 years old going on 20 in December, I mean, that that upside is – that ceiling is incredible. Uh, everyone in the draft community right now is talking about it, and even his own you know, position coach – just his tone around him, you know, it kind of seemed resigned to the fact that like, Hey, he's, he's really good. He's got what it takes to you know succeed at the NFL level. Um, and so those guys should go, but even if he does, you know, Hunter Norzad is coming back. That's big for them. Juice Scruggs has another year of eligibility. All these guys have at least another year of eligibility. Juice Scruggs, Bryce Effner, uh, Sal Wormley, and uh, Landon Tegwall is, is a younger guy too. And even, you know, he was getting a lot of playing time before his season ended officially this week, uh, Franklin announcing that. So this is a, this is a room that your projected starters in 23 and even towards the end of the season, you feel confident in. And then the number of younger guys that have gotten run, Drew Shelton, JB Nelson, um, Vega Ione as well. I mean, this is a deep room and that's not something that you can say in years past under James Franklin. It's always been the bugaboo. It's always been the you know, the, the, the thorn in Penn State's side has been the offensive line issues, and it hasn't been really this year, aside from, you know, a game and a half, really. And let's also not forget that, um, especially as, you, as you're watching Drew Shelton play and you're hearing such good things about him, that two guys coming in for sure, Alex Birchmeyer. Um, is a five star and Javen Williams from Wyoming ha- has gotten a lot of love too. Like, you know, I think there's a possibility of contributions there. And then you look at, you know, there's a bunch of guys, uh, a-, a layer of young veterans that haven't done much yet, but you got to think one or two of these guys will come along. Jimmy Christ, uh, Nick Dawkins, Ibrahim Treor uh, is another one. You know, there, there, there's a group of these guys, Malik McNeil is a true freshman. Um, Golden Israel Achumba is another one, a redshirt sophomore. There's a layer here of of quality scholarship guys that maybe one or two of them takes a step. And I'm not really trying to drink the blue Kool-Aid too much, but mathematically, like this, this, this is a group that's in pretty good shape. And especially the fact that one or both of those 2023 guys should be able to throw their hat in the ring next year. But I think you know, Phil Troutwine talked about Drew Shelton this week. That's that to me was kind of a game changer when you're trying to project. You know, they feel good about him. He did a good job last week. At this point in time, 
given what's going on with uh, with Olufashano being week to week and and the incentive structure to maybe not push it too much with the NFL coming up, there's a pretty decent chance we see Drew Shelton burn that red shirt. Yeah, and at this point too, if he's going to continue to play next year, if he if he puts himself in that position, then maybe a redshirt doesn't matter all that much, and you know he might be forced to play. And you know James Franklin, they would like to redshirt him and Vega and, and Nelson, but sometimes you, you just have to play your guys. And you just again, Franklin wants to win these final three games. You don't want to you know slip up against a Maryland or a Rutgers or this iteration of Michigan State because you're worried about redshirting guys. You know he's. Uh, James Franklin has said several times already uh, that he will not sacrifice, like he, he won't prioritize redshirting guys over winning. Um, now, look, when we and we talk about the offensive line and, and projecting it to next year and all these young guys, these guys getting run and, and a lot of these veterans coming back potentially, like it, it's it's one of those conversations that it's it's good to have now after they just went out and with a makeshift line did what they did to Indiana it's also remember where we were when we were talking about this group in the trenches and how far they had to go, you know, when they were getting bodied by Michigan. And so we might be having that same conversation next year. This is something that takes time. Like when Birchmeyer Williams come in, like those two guys are, are massive recruits. They're still going to be true freshmen. Like they, that, that will take time. Uh, it'll take time to develop and grow. Um, but I just think where this room is right now and, and really on this in the season on the whole, like given where it was perception wise before the year, I think they're in a solid spot, but they still have got room to grow. And, and I think Phil Troutwine knows that James Franklin knows that everyone in the room, you know, just flip on that Michigan film and, and, and they know that. So um, it, it's, it's a good progression, but they've got, they've got some work to do for sure. A couple of quick final thoughts for me on this is one, <clears throat> when have you been able to see Penn state lose their left tackle, their left guard and their starting right tackle struggle and for the offensive line to not be a disaster. That will be one thing that I would say. And then number two is <clears throat> Hunter Norzak coming back is, is pretty big. You know, I don't think you're looking at like a star, you know, player there or anything. But um, the one thing that's interesting would be, you know, Landon Tangwall, I think, still has position flexibility. So getting another veteran interior guy back does give the coaching staff some options for next year. If let's say Caden Wallace and Bryce Efner both choose to not come back for another year. I don't know why they wouldn't at this point, but that's another story for another day. I think there might be some options there too. Um, and uh, you know, with, with Vega Ioane uh, and, and uh, Drew Shelton emerging, like, I don't know. It, it, it's a pretty good group and you haven't been able to say that very much. Um. You're, you're muted. You scared me a little bit. You're muted again, but you took the mute off. Yeah. I was just letting you, I was letting you roll there. Um, <laughs> like, all right, Dustin, Dustin's on one right now. There you go. Let's, let's, let's let him cook. <laughs> uh, last thing I just wanted to touch on. It's um, it, it appears to me like it's like, okay, the season's almost over. Uh, we're going to have some guys who are going to have some choices to make. It seems like, James Franklin went out of his way to make sure that Christian Veor knew exactly how he felt about him this week on several, on several occasions. And it's a tough spot, you know, like I think it's a huge, huge win if Christian Veor comes back, but I would also be surprised if he does, if he, if he's really in pursuit of playing time. Yeah. It's, it's one of those where like, I wouldn't blame, I don't think anyone would blame him if he ends up transferring because this is a guy who, 
you know, last November, you know, started and, and you know, or you know, played starter reps against, you know, Rutgers and, and won them that game. And, you know, it seemed like the, the stars were aligning for him a little bit in terms of just, you know, him coming in and, you know, taking over that backup job. And, you know, Drew, Drew Aller comes in and he's a talented kid. He's a five-star freshman. He's getting all this pub this year and justifiably so, you know, and he's getting the reps and, uh, you know, it's week one and we all find out that Bayer is the third stringer, not the second stringer. He doesn't enter the portal right away. So he's like, you know, I'm, I'm, and, and we talked about this before. I think it might've been last week, and even the week before about you know, the relationship these guys have in the quarterback room and how much that matters. But, you know, decisions are going to be made. And, and I don't think anyone would hold it against him if he ends up entering the portal and looking elsewhere. And, but James Franklin was asked about him this week and, you know, mentioned that Sean Clifford has kind of set a tone within the quarterback room, but said that Christian's been phenomenal and tough conversations and tough decisions will need to be made. But, um, you know, basically, you know, through all the twists and turns of the journey, you know, that Bayer has has been kind of like the model teammate and, and has been uh, what they want him to be, what, what everyone as a teammate hopes to have. Uh, so that's good to hear. And look, if he ends up just wanting to stick it out and ride it out with Penn State, wouldn't blame him either. You know, sometimes guys are just comfortable in the, in their, in their position uh, and in their skin. So we'll see, but, but it's one of those where you have Prabula, you've got, you know, Jackson Smollett coming in in the 23 class. It seems like the writing's kind of on the wall, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I think uh, you're not going to see James Franklin waste an opportunity though, to uh, make a strategic comment or two. And it's that season right now. I think especially a quarterback, just, really hard to retain a player in Christian Bayor's position, but stranger things have happened. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Penn state, Maryland, look for all of our coverage uh, on penlive.com. It's penlive.com slash Penn state football. We'll be rolling through with blue white breakdown episodes everywhere. You can find podcasts as well. That's Johnny McGonigal. I'm Dustin Hawkinsbeth here for blue white breakdown. We'll see you next time. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location.